Imagine if you were 80 years old and the last 40 years of your life you felt like an absolute failure. You were destined for greatness. You knew you had so many opportunities and things that were ahead of you. And yet you killed an Egyptian at age 40. You hit him in the sand. You ran away for your life. And now you've got, you know, your father-in-law's flock. You were Ivy League trained. You were special forces trained. And you don't even have your own flock. You don't even have your own herd. And for 40 years now you feel like a big loser And can you imagine how you would feel if you were living so far below your line of privilege? So here's what happens. Moses is having a pity party. Moses is out on a rock somewhere, and God says to him, we're going to do some great things. And Moses is going, I don't think so. Was Moses free or was Moses entrapped? He was entrapped. Are you free? Are you free today from all these things that can so easily entangle you? And are you free for your incredible opportunity with Christ? Who who are you this morning? Did you wake up today and you're just overwhelmed with anxiety? Will you freak out not once this week, but like once every hour this week? What will happen to you this week? Will you live free of peer pressure and be able to be free for the King of Kings. How are you doing? Well, the great news is you can be free. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says it was for freedom that Christ has come to set you free. I don't know where you are. I don't know how busy your heart is this morning. But I know where you can go. And so today, at the end of the message... We're going to have communion. And during communion, I want to ask you to be thinking all along the service, where do I need to be set free? I'm struggling with food. I'm struggling with alcohol. I'm struggling with lust. I'm struggling with greed. I'm struggling with the past. I'm struggling with anxiety. I can't seem to let some of these things go. All during the service, I want you to think about where are you not free? Where are you still struggling and how God can set you free today during communion? So here's Exodus. If you've got uh, the Bible app, the Harborside app, turn there. If if you're brand new to our church, download it quickly. And all these different scriptures and and fill in the blanks are on your Harborside app. But let's start with Moses. Because Moses for 40 years feels like a loser. And I don't know if you feel that way this morning. I don't know how things are going, but I know how things can go. Let's go to Exodus chapter 6. The Lord says to Moses, You will see what I am going to do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I want you to know who I am. I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob as God Almighty. But by... My name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. Moses, I'm about to make myself fully known. You know of me, you're about to really know me personally. I want to make myself fully known. You want to be set free, you pursue to know him fully. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groanings of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. 
Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves. They were slaves. Moses was a slave. Are you a slave? Doesn't matter how much money you have. Doesn't matter how much time you have. Doesn't matter how many opportunities you have. The question is, are you a slave? Are you a slave to your work? Are you a slave to fear? Are you a slave to food? Are you free? He came to set you free. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hands to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and their harsh labor. He's living below his line of privilege. How high can you go? How high can you go? Turn to your neighbor beside you and say, how high can you go? Turn to the neighbor on the other side and say, I don't think very high. Nobody wants to live below their line of privilege. In fact, the scriptures are so clear about who you are. Do you realize that you are marvelous? I don't fully understand this, but God says in Ephesians chapter 2, you are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. Do you realize in in Colossians chapter 1, it talks about how Christ is in you, the hope of glory. You are marvelous. The glory of God is never far from you. All of heaven is attracted to you. There are two people inside of you. One is the Holy Spirit and one is your human spirit. And the Holy Spirit inside of you has greatness designed for you, not enslavement, but freedom. And so we talked about this several months ago about how the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. And when Christ was baptized, the heavens were torn open and the Spirit remained on him in the form of a dove. This past week, I was going to a restaurant, and a guy stops me in the parking lot, and he said, hey, he introduced himself, and I didn't know him, but I got to know him, figured out who he was. He said, man, I'm trying to figure out that whole pigeon thing. I said, pigeon thing? I said, what are you talking about? He said, you know, the pigeon on your shoulder. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, the pigeon. And I never corrected him. I went about to correct him. Because the Holy Spirit descended in the form of a dove as a symbol. Who cares if it's a pigeon or a duck, right? I just let that one go. But I'll never forget. I'll never think about the Holy Spirit as a dove, as a pigeon again, ever in my life, quite quite the same way. And so you've got the Spirit of God inside of you and on on you because he has great things in store for you. And he wants you to be absolutely free. What does God have in store for you? How high can you go? How can you live above your line of privilege? You know, you can always tell how much he trusts you by how much he has entrusted to you. And he's entrusted to this group a lot. He's given you friends. He's given you some finances. He's given you some opportunities. He's given you some education. He has given you so, so much. And when I think about that truth, 
it begins to overwhelm me when I realize that he has entrusted so much to us, which means he trusts you. Your heavenly Father trusts you, and he has entrusted so much to you. But here's where we get into trouble. Here's where we begin to make some mistakes. We actually put on handcuffs when we anchor our affections in the values of this world. We begin to cause our own problems when we anchor our affections in the things of this world. That's why in 1 John chapter 2, he says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father will not be in you. However, God is the king of pleasures. And he's really, really rich, if you didn't know that. You think you own your own house? Actually, he owns it. He just gets you to pay taxes on it. He owns everything. God's really smart. He's really, really bright. God's rich, and God's the king of pleasures. But he tells us it's not what, it's where. It's not what you have, it's what has you. It's not what you have. It's what has you. And if the things of this world have you, you actually begin to shackle yourself with busyness of heart. Now, Christ was incredibly busy. I'm not talking about don't be busy. I'm talking to a group of people who are very, very busy. Jesus was busier than all of us. He walked, he traveled, he taught, he healed, he did all kinds of things. Jesus was busy, but there was never a busyness in his heart. There was always a peace in his heart. And I've come to realize that every time I've gone off the rails a little bit, I heard God's voice. It's not like I didn't hear God's voice. I heard God's voice. I just turned up all the other voices around me. You hear God's voice. You do. But when you anchor your affections in the things of this world, you actually turn the volume down on God inside of you, and you turn the volume up on Facebook, on politics, on TV, on friends, on what you want to do, whatever it is. But you hear God. If I'm honest, I have heard God every single time before I made a mistake. God's Holy Spirit inside of you and inside of me always tells us, go faster, go slower, buy, rent, sell, speed up, slow down, back up. Every time, it's just, I I don't always want to hear it. Am I the only sinner in the room? I'm looking at a few. I know a few of you in the room. You're my friends. I know you. And, And the point is, the point is, when we anchor our affections in the things of this world. See, it's not that it's loud outside. It just can't be loud inside. So Friday morning, great morning, wonderful morning. Friday afternoon by 3 o'clock, I'd had two major tragedies. We had to Baker Act somebody, and I could just feel my heart starting to vibrate by 3 o'clock Friday afternoon. Just, Just busyness of heart. And I pull off in the causeway, I go over there by the beach, all by myself, and for 30 minutes, I know why Jesus got alone all the time. I know why Jesus prayed all night before he chose his disciples. I know why Jesus got up early in the morning and had quiet time with the Father. That that 30 minutes just kind of reset my whole life and my whole day. When we anchor our affections in the things of this world, that's where we have trouble. See, what Paul says is, what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. You are designed 
to see the unseeable. You were designed to hear that which is inaudible to most people. You were designed to think in a pattern of this world completely different than the pattern of people who see things. When you anchor your affections in things of this world, you just, you go into the prison door and you shut your own door. That's what's so sad. You go into your own prison and you shut your own door and you lock yourself up. But here's our opportunity. Here's what's before us. You are free when you anchor your affections in an unseen world. You were designed to walk according to a different pattern. You were designed to walk to a different heartbeat. You were designed to listen to the Spirit of God inside of you to give you clarity and give you direction. Everything inside of you is telling you what to do, how to be, how to live, and how to act. And you're free when you anchor your affections in the unseen world. It's loud, but it's quiet. It's busy, but there's peace. You see, it doesn't matter what you have, who you are in this room today. If there's busyness out here, if there's loudness out here, you're not free. And you were designed to be free. You were created to walk in the cadence of the Holy Spirit. It's not what you have. It's what has you that matters. That's why I think this next verse is absolutely critical. This is one of those verses that you need to breathe into. It needs to breathe on you. Screenshot it. Do whatever you need to do to memorize it. But, if he, but uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Get your heart right with God. Get your heart right with Christ. Get your heart right with people. Get your heart right with yourself. Guard your heart. It is the wellspring of life. Everything flows from your heart. The heart is essential. It's critical. If your heart's not right, you're not going to be right. It's like if the sights of a gun are a little bit off, But the farther out you go, the more the bullet strays. And so the whole point is, let's get our hearts right. You were created to be free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it was for freedom that Christ set you free. Don't let yourself be yoked again to a yoke of slavery. All right. Now, let's see if we have any Scripture to support this. It's always always good to have Scripture to back up what you're doing. (laughs) I mean, this is church, and I'm the preacher. So let's see if we can find any Scripture that actually supports what we're doing. That's funny. I thought that was funny. Um, So let's talk about some Scripture out of Luke chapter 8. And Luke, it's a great great passage of Scripture because Jesus tells a parable. Now, we've had 2,000 years to, like, interpret this parable and talk about this parable. But there's two critical pieces of this parable that you've got to understand. Number one, the seed is the Word of God. Say that with me. The seed is the Word of God. Maybe a little more passion. The seed is the Word of God. So in this story, Jesus talks about the seed, and it's the Word of God. Then he talks about the soil, and there's four different types of soil. The first type of soil are non-Christians. The other three types of soil are all believers. So the soil now represents your heart. And so what he's trying to help you understand is your heart's essential. Your heart's critical. Get the soil prepared. Get the soil ready. You want to be free? You've got to have some good soil. So here's the story, Luke chapter 8, and we'll use some scripture. A farmer went out to sow seeds for a harvest. As he scattered his seed, some of it fell on hard pathway and was quickly trampled down and unable to grow and became nothing but bird seed. Some fell on the gravel. This is the second type of person now. And though it sprouted, it couldn't take root. It withered for lack of moisture. Number three, 
Other seed fell where there was nothing but weeds. It, too, was unable to grow to full maturity, for it was choked out by the weeds. Yet, this is number four, some of the seed fell into good, fertile soil, and it grew and flourished until it produced more than a hundredfold harvest, a bumper crop. Then Jesus added, shouting to all who would hear, listen with your heart, and you will understand. Listen with your what? Listen with your heart, and you will understand. Now the disciples, right after this, go, time out. We don't get this. What are you talking about? We never really understand Jesus' parables or his props. So can you explain this to to us again? And Jesus now is about to explain the parable, and it it will explain your heart because you're in one of these four soils. This parable represents you. Everybody in the room, you're in this together. We're one of these four. So first of all, Jesus explains this. He said, you've been given a teachable heart to perceive the secret hidden mysteries of God's kingdom realm. But to those who don't have a listening heart, now what does that mean? It doesn't mean they can't. It just means they've turned up the volume on all the other voices around them. They're just listening to other competing voices who are around them. But to those who don't have a listening heart, my words are merely stories. Even though they have eyes, they are blind to the true meaning of what I say. It's not like your unchurched friends can't understand the gospel. They've chosen not to. You've got unchurched friends in your life. It's not that they're too ignorant to understand the truth. I've been in this for 35 years. The number one reason why people never become Christians is called P-R-I-D-E. It's pride. It's not that they can't get it. They can get it. In fact, if you're in the room today, it's not that you don't understand this. It's just really you're having a hard time surrendering to it because that makes somebody else the captain of your soul. Who said that? Who said that? Even though they have eyes, they are blind to the true meaning of what they say. Number, verse 11. Here then is the deeper meaning of my, to my parable. And the word of God is the seed. We've already talked about that. The seed's the word of God. The word of God's the seed, right? We got that? All right. Say it again. The seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. The word of God that is sown into the hearts. Here we go. The hard pathway. This is like group number one. These are not Christians. These are people who say, nah, I don't think so. I don't want this. The hard pathway represents the hard hearts of men who hear the word of God, but the slander quickly snatches away what was sown. They hear it, but there's just voices louder around them, and they listen to those voices that are around them. They hear it. He snatches it away, what was sown in their hearts, to keep them from believing and experiencing salvation. Group number two, the seed falling on the gravel represents those who initially respond to the word with joy. Now, these are Christians. These are, these are Christmas and Easter people. They're, they're not here today, okay? They're not here, but these are, these are Christmas and Easter people. They come Christmas and Easter and Mother's Day. They don't come on Father's Day. They go play golf. But they come Christmas and Easter and Mother's Day. They're here uh, on those three days. They're not in the room today. But they've said, you know what? I want fire insurance, I think there's just enough truth to all this that I had probably better go ahead and do this just in case. And this is this group. It's not you. You wouldn't be here today. You'd be at the beach on this beautiful morning, right? The seed falling on the gravel represents those who initially respond to the word with joy. But soon afterward, when a season of harassment of the enemy and difficulty come to them, they wither away and they fall away. For they have no root in the truth and their faith is temporary. Now, here's what I want to talk about next. Number three. 
The seed that falls into the weeds represents the hearts of those who hear the word of God, but their growth is quickly choked off by their own, see, their own anxious cares, the riches of this world, and the fleeting pleasures of this life. This is why they never mature. Because their, their affections are anchored in the seen world. And so there are three major components that keep you from being effective and mature as a believer. Number one is fear. Number two is pleasures. And number three are riches. Now let me say this again. God is the king of pleasures. First Timothy tells us he gave us all things for us to enjoy. God is really, really rich. And God wants you to continue to have more territory, more abundance, more capacity. He wants to expand who you are. He wants you to have more. I believe God wants you to have more and more and more. It's not what you have, though. It's what has you. And God wants you to be able to use everything that you are and everything that you have for his purposes, for you to leverage your stuff and who you are for the king of kings. But when you are afraid... And when you are seeking pleasures, and when you are seeking money in and of itself, greed, you're going to get yourself all messed up. And rather than being free with more, you actually become entrapped because really you have less, even though you may, on the outside, have more. And so he's, he's this king of pleasures. Is there anything wrong with playing golf? Well, I guess it depends on if you say bad words on the golf course or not. But is there anything wrong with playing golf? The answer is no. Is is there anything wrong with fishing? No. Especially fishing. There's nothing wrong with fishing. (laughs) Is there anything wrong with shopping and purchases and extra homes and extra boats? And is there anything wrong with extra stuff? Is there anything wrong with the pleasures? The answer is no. There's nothing wrong with any of that. God gave you all those things that you have for your enjoyment. Absolutely. The issue is this. The issue is the place that riches and pleasures have in my heart. It always comes back to the heart. That's why Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. It is the wellspring of life. Above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. And it's for every age. It's not just a certain age in this room. It's for everybody in the room. And so let me ask you this. Can you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Are you in a good place where you can do that? That doesn't mean you're not busy. You're just not busy in here. Doesn't mean it's not loud. It's just not loud in here. Are are you in a good place? Are are you in a good spot? I I love what he says here about the Word of God. If you're brand new to church this morning, man, we're glad you're here. We really are. And you may not have heard this before, but the Word of God's the most powerful force in the world. The Word of God is the most powerful force in the world. The book of Hebrews says that the world is held in place by the power of God's word. 
In the book of Genesis, we see God spoke, let there be light, let there be, and there was, there was, there was. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so the Spirit and the Word in your heart changes everything. The Spirit and the Word inside of you helps you to pursue that which God has called you to do. The Spirit and the Word in you, ruling you, driving you, leading you, gets you free and keeps you freer. And there's some pushback, and the pushback goes, well, I don't understand it all. I don't either. I don't understand it all either. I understand more this year than I did last year, and I don't really understand how he could love us the way he does. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's amazing to me. He no longer calls us his servants. He calls us his friends. That's overwhelming to me. I I don't understand it all either. Other people will say, well, I, I don't remember what I read. Every time I try to read the Bible, I just don't remember what I read. I don't remember what I had for breakfast two weeks ago, but it nourished me. And every time you read the scriptures, there's, there's seeds sown into your heart. It nourishes you. Well, I know you tell us to pray, but I fall asleep when I pray. I fall asleep, you know, and God must be mad at me. It's probably better that I don't even pray because then I don't get God mad at me because I fall asleep in prayer. When I hold my one-month-old granddaughter. Did you know I'm a grandfather? When I, when I hold my one month old granddaughter and she falls asleep in my arms, do you think I'm mad at her? I, I am looking at her and I am prophesying over her. Besides, please, Lord, don't let her wake up. I am prophesying. I am prophesying greatness and a future that she will rise up and call the king of kings blessed I'm not upset when Callie falls asleep in my arms I'm thrilled that she's falling asleep in my arms I go to bed every night falling asleep in the throne room of God every single night Hebrews chapter 4 says let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace. And even though Denise and I have had a prayer time before that, I go to bed in the throne room of God. I picture myself going into the throne room of God and God is high and lifted up. He is on his throne and the train of his robe fills the temple and I'm in that throne room. I fall asleep every single night in the throne room of God, the arms of God. I don't think he's mad. I think he's telling the Son, the Spirit, He's finally at peace today after all this. And then when I wake up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning with one of your problems, not mine, (laughs) I have to go back into the throne room. And I'm right back into the throne room. And I keep giving it, laying it down until I go back to sleep again. Oh, my friends, he's crazy about you. And he wants you to be free. Look what he says. Pay careful attention to your hearts as you hear my teaching. For those who have open hearts, even more revelation will be given. God is a God of abundance. He wants to give you even more, even more, even more, even more. He wants to give you more revelation. 
And for those who do not listen with open hearts, what little they imagine to have will be taken away. Some of you have had some of it taken away. But you can get it back. To be honest, you've had it taken away because you've anchored your affections in the things of this world. You've looked at that which is seen, not that which is unseen. You listen for that which is audible, not that which is inaudible. You think about that which everybody else can think about instead of what the Holy Spirit's thinking and speaking and directing to you. But look at, look at the next verse. Look at verse 15. This is where we want to be. This is who God wants all of us to be. The seed that fell in the good fertile soil represents those lovers of truth who hear it deep within their hearts. They respond by clinging to the word, keeping it dear as they endure all things in faith. This is the seed that will one day bear much fruit in their lives. Let's pass out communion, if you would. Let's pass out the loaf and the cup. And we're going to do this a little bit differently this morning. First of all, I'm going to ask that you think about that in your life that you need to be delivered from. If I'm honest, I'm still enslaved to, and you fill in the blank. If I'm honest, my past has still got me. That same silly story, I keep telling it over and over again. If I'm honest, I keep thinking backwards rather than forwards. If I'm honest, I need to get rid of this and start doing it. If I'm honest, these people and these places need to go, and I need to go with these people, I need to go to these places. If I'm honest, this is still causing way too much busyness of heart. But I want to go higher, and I want to live beyond my line of privilege. I want to live for and with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so this is your time to get it all out with God. And it's going to be like no close to the service. I'm going to ask the prayer partners to come down front with your communion right now. And perhaps you'd like to come down front, become a Christian, give your life to Jesus, not be that first soil, but two, three, or four maybe special prayer, but I'm going to ask the prayer partners to get your communion, come down front. But here's how we're going to do this today. I'm going to pray for you, and you're going to sit here as long as you want. And when you're done, just take your cup out with you if you would, and just exit quietly. You can sit here and get it out. This is your time to connect and commune with your Heavenly Father. So again, if the prayer partners would come down front, and those of you, I'm going to pray, and I'm just going to ask you to Say to God, honestly, what's messing you up? Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's some illegal prescription, illegal medicine. It's not even prescription. Whatever it is in your life, this is your time. Let it go. Let it go. Above all else, above all else, guard your heart. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I'm going to pray. You take your time. When you're done, just leave quietly because there'll be other people still praying in the room. Your body and your blood, we honor today.